This is a bundle of thoughts. This is episode two. I'm Jeremy Newton. Say you were apartment hunting or you were house hunting in a very competitive market. You are only able to see a house once before either signing a lease or you have to move on. If you move on, somebody's definitely going to snatch it up. You only get one opportunity to see a house. How would you go about deciding when to settle on an offer? When to put an application? Because if you choose the first one, well, maybe it's a lower quality one than what you could have gotten, right? Or you wait too long and you get a bad option. Terrible either way. Given these circumstances, how do you go about choosing the best one? Thankfully, mathematics has an answer for this. It's called the optimal stopping theory. The optimal stopping theory says that given a finite amount of time or choices and the ability to consider a choice only once, it is best to reject the first 37% of options and then take the next best choice that beats everything in the 37%. So how does this play out? Say that we're apartment hunting and we're willing to look at a hundred apartments. We live in a very big market. There are many options, but it's all very competitive. We only get to consider each apartment once and we have a hundred apartments to look through. So we have a finite amount of choices. We know that optimal stopping says that we're going to look at the first 37 and say, this is good, but I think I can do better. So you set a baseline. You say, this is what I like about these apartments. This is what I don't like about these apartments. And we move on. Auto reject the first 37%. And this first 37% can be counted as the looking phase, right? Compared to uh, the leaping phase. So once we're done with the looking phase, we now move on to the leaping phase, which is where the next apartment that beats everything in the looking phase is the one we automatically accept. We consider the 38th apartment, 39th, 40th, They're all not as good as anything as the best of the 37%. But we get to the 52nd apartment, and it's it's quite nice. It's actually better than anything in the 37%. That's the one we apply for. Problem solved. Now, the original problem was a case of hiring. One of the first places this appeared was in 1960 Scientific American in the column that was made by Martin Gardner, which is a very famous name in recreational mathematics. And it was called secretary problem. So it was considering hiring a secretary in a pool of applicants. You only get to interview applicants once before you have to make a decision of whether to hire or dismiss. The problem may go back further to Marilyn Flood, who is famous in the world of computer science. If you've ever heard of the traveling sales problem, He is the one that made that popular. He may have actually termed the phrase software. So he's he's one of the first to have conjured up this problem and said, what does mathematics have to say about it? So thinking it like a secretary problem, you're looking for a candidate for a position and you are the hiring manager and say your applicant pool is only two. There's only two applicants. Well, you have a 50-50 chance if you guess randomly, and you have a 50-50 chance if you try to do this strategically. You interview the first applicant. You say, that's nice, but I'm going to check on the next person. And there's a 50-50 chance of that next person being better than the previous. In this case, the strategy is equivalent to picking random. 
has the same probability of success as picking rank. To analyze the strategy, if you increase the applicant size to three applicants, then you interview the first, dismiss, interview the second, and this is the, the key person because when you interview the first, you have no information, no baseline, no ability to decide whether a candidate is good or bad. And then when you interview the third, you have no agency. You have to pick the last one. You have to hire them because you're out of applicants. You can't go back. So the second one is the most important because if they're better than the first, then you hire. If they are not, then you wait for the third. And playing this probability out, you actually have a a 50-50 success rate of hiring the best applicant of the three, which is better than picking randomly because picking randomly would produce choosing the best applicant 33% of the time. So this is the, the first case, the smallest applicant pool where a smart strategy beats a random choice. And as you consider this, as the pool scales up, right? If you consider four, there's an optimal strategy for that. And continuing on, you eventually get to a point where you've built up the applicant pool to where it's a 37% chance of hiring the best applicant after rejecting the first 37%. So 37 produces 37. It's fantastic. It's a neat little rule. There's no particular reason that 37 produces 37. It just happens to work out that way. And it's it's actually quite nice. It's easy for remembering if you can remember 37%. I think one of the, the coolest applications of optimal stopping theory is how it's being implemented by city planners. So city planners will think about parking rates and occupancy rates to try and figure out when people should park in an optimal system. Parking is a balancing of how far to walk to the destination, the cost of the parking spot itself, and then the cost of the fuel and the time spent searching for a spot. So there are people in the world who are using this as part of their day jobs to consider how they should plan stuff and what they would choose and the a little bit of basic game theory that goes into this. Now, ways that this can go wrong, if you experienced your best option in the 37%, then nothing in the leaping phase is going to be better than what you experienced in the looking phase. And so whatever is the consideration, you've already passed the best. Optimal stopping theory would have you settle for your very last option. This can also play out that you may have your absolutely worst options in your first 37%. And by the time you get to the 38th, you're really only considering something marginal or mediocre, but it still looks like the best that you've seen so far. There's a, a bit of a sampling error there. It still says that this is the the best way to do it. It's also important to note that this is not the only case where this can be applied, right? Uh, this can be applied to so much more than just house hunting, but it can ap- apply to dating. So if you're going through potential spouses, right, and you know that you only want to date for, say, 10 years, uh, you can date for fun for three to four years or on the four-ish side. And then after four years of dating, you start getting serious and you say, that was fun, but I knew I wasn't going to settle down with all those people, with any of those potential candidates, potential spouses. It's now time for like the next 
best one that comes along is the one I'm going to choose. Or car shopping, also in a competitive market. A Black Friday deal. If you're looking at a particular item and you think, oh man, if I just keep moving along, there might be a better deal. Nope. Apply optimal stopping theory. Cut your losses. Take the deal that's in front of you after 37%. There are these uh, variations that do make the problem more complicated. The classic secretary problem says that you can't return to a candidate before and that the candidate will always accept your offer. Of course, this doesn't match up to reality, so there are variations that talk about candidates that will reject your offer. This works for proposals. If you think you've found your perfect spouse, your optimal spouse, and you propose, there's always the chance of being rejected. Or if you are considering the spouse, you still only should consider one option at a time, but you, you do have the potential of dating your ex. So again, this was optimal stopping theory. It says that given these certain set of constraints, only being able to consider an option once, you have a 37% chance of succeeding if you auto-reject 37% and then choose the next best option after the 37%. A lot of this material is coming from the first chapter of Algorithms to Live By. It is by Brian Christian and Tom Griffiths. Music by Nathan Bowler. I'm the new Newton, and I've been your garbage collector. <laughs>